following is a presentation of the Church of the Living God in Traverse City, Michigan. Hey, we're in a new book. Hold your applause. Um, considering how long Jude took, 2 Timothy it might take us into 2023. We're going to go into the second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. So here's some context. When Paul writes this letter, he is in prison and he's waiting execution. So at this time, there's just a whole series of kind of negative events that have been cascading. For one, the congregations in the province of Asia had kind of turned against Paul. A dude named Demas had left Thessalonica, and Paul said it was because he loved the world more than he loved the gospel. A couple other guys, they had been ministering elsewhere, and to add insult to injury, there was this coppersmith named Alexander that Paul will later say in this letter had done him great harm. It's not entirely clear what that harm was, but something that had landed. And so here's this rough road, and now it's going to end in execution. So Paul's in prison. So he writes Timothy. So he'd written Timothy before. Timothy is kind of his spiritual son. So Timothy had a godly mother and grandmother, but it appears that his father was not a believer. And so Paul had kind of adopted him, like I said, as his spiritual son. And it's clear as you read this letter, Paul cares deeply about him. And it seems pretty clear that Timothy cared deeply about Paul. I mean, you'll see right off the bat, tears are exchanged just in, as they're thinking of each other. So Paul is writing Timothy, and he's asking him to come visit him. In essence, he wants to see his spiritual son before he dies for his faith. So this is the letter of a man who doesn't have much time left. So as we go through 2 Timothy, just kind of think that the hum in the background is this sense of urgency. Like, I've only got so much time to tell Timothy what Timothy needs to know. And it's, it's unusual in that for most of us, we will face our death uh, in a way that's at least somewhat unexpected, though sometimes, sometimes you're able to tell what the inevitable end is. But oftentimes, it's a little more surprising and uh, I don't know about you, that since my heart attack, well, there's no reason you would think this. I guess this is my story. Since my heart attack, I have thought more about, all right, I only have so much time. What are the things I want my boys to know? What are the things that I, I think are necessary to say at whatever time is left? And uh, I'm not awaiting execution, so I don't have a specific timeline in mind here. But the idea carries with it a sense of urgency. So this is where Paul's at as he's writing this letter. He begins this way, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Timothy, you're constantly in my prayers. Day and night I remember you before God, and I give thanks to him whom I serve with a clean conscience as did my ancestors. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. 
So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Uh, uh, next week, I'm going to focus on the last two sentences. Uh, I realized about Thursday that my plan to make one sermon out of this was already derailed. So this will be two sermons. That's why I'm suggesting this book may take a while again. I want to talk this morning about fanning into flame the gift that God gives us, but I want to note where we're going to go next week because this is going to be a two-parter, and that is um, Paul gives Timothy some real clear direction. Right? Paul says, Timothy, you have been given a gift. Now, you need to fan that gift into flame. It's just an ember. I'm getting ahead of myself. It's just an ember you're going to fan into flame. He says, with your gift... You can't be timid with your gift. Uh, most people agree Timothy's gift was teaching. Paul says you, you can't be a timid teacher. If you're going to teach, you need to go teach. He says you could do it because of three things. God has given you resurrection power. He's given you his love, which flows into you from God and then out of you to others. And then he's given you what some translations call a sound mind, which is probably understood. He's given you practical wisdom. He's given you the ability to know how to use your gift wisely. And then Paul says, you need all those three things because you need to be able to share the testimony of the gospel. And what I want to talk about next week is how in the variety of gifts God has given to us, what does it look like to rely on God's power, um, God's love, and the self-discipline the Holy Spirit brings to be able to use the gift God has given you on behalf of the kingdom of God. And so we're going to go there next week. But this week, I want to talk just more about the gift. So God's given to Timothy what's called a charisma. It's a spiritual gift. And he tells him once again to fan this into flame, which is a metaphor. Um, if you've been making fires this summer, you know what it's like when the fire kind of dies down and it's just hot coals and it's time for marshmallows. The idea is that the Holy Spirit has given you something like this. It's an ember from the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then we respond, we fan this into flame by making the right decisions, taking the right actions. There's, there's something we do with what's been given to us. So it doesn't just smolder, but it bursts into life. Now, the Spirit will enable us for this ministry. So the word for the Holy Spirit in the Bible is pneuma. Some of you may be familiar with this. It's wind. It goes back to Genesis 1 where the Spirit of God moves over the face of the waters. Right? So the Holy Spirit is fanning this ember. But Paul is reminding Timothy there's a fanning that we do as well. So if you maybe think of it this way, as you see in the Bible, the first thing that happens when we give our lives to Christ is that we are filled with the Spirit. And I have a, a bunch of references here. Uh, the notes are already posted online. You can look these things up later. But when we come to Christ, we become part of the temple of God. And that temple is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. So the first thing that happens is we give our lives to Christ we surrender in the act of what we call salvation, and now we become the temple and the Holy Spirit moves in. A second thing we see also from Paul, Paul says, listen, don't quench the Spirit. The Spirit's living inside of you. You, you don't tamp it down, to, to use our ember analogy, don't keep throwing water on it. Like, don't, you got to learn to fan this is where we get to the third analogy. We fan it into the flame. Other places in Scripture, it says the Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit can be neglected. Like, 
for whatever reason, God has given us um, some influence in how we're experiencing this gift. And so Paul is telling Timothy here, you're going to have to fan this into flame. So, what are these charismas, these spiritual gifts that we fan into flame? I'm going to pull this kind of a summary from our statement of faith on our website that there are different manifestations of the Spirit to build up the body and bring glory to God. I'm not going to read all the Scripture verses that go with this. Once again, they're in the notes, and I believe I left them on the screen behind me as well. The Holy Spirit gives gifts as He wills, and yet we're also instructed to diligently seek the gifts. We're recipients of gifts because of God's good grace. Because they're freely given, they cannot be earned, but they must be fanned. The gifts must be expressed in love and sincerity and in an orderly and understandable way, which honors others above ourselves, lest our expression cause others to stumble. And every attempt should be made to use the gifts in humility and service so that we may share the desire of Jesus, which is that God must increase and we must increase. So here's the bottom line. The Holy Spirit gives these charismas, these gifts, two believers in the church, I think for two key reasons. One is to build up the church. But the other, I think it serves as a form of witness. And you can clearly see this throughout Scripture as the Holy Spirit moves in people and the testimony of God is made great. And oftentimes as we talk about gifts, um, we tend to focus on just a few and they can be gifts that um, maybe are often seen more in a public setting or up front. But the Bible actually gives a pretty long list of the many ways in which the Holy Spirit gives gifts to people. And I'm actually going to go through that list this morning. It's not going to be a complete list, and I'll explain why at the end of this list, but these are different ways that in Scripture you see a testimony that the Holy Spirit is living and moving in someone, and as a result of this, this charisma, this gift is expressing itself. So prophecy just boldly proclaiming God's mind and purpose and truth. They're serving was just a wide variety of ministries. I saw one uh, site that described this as things that make the dust fly. There's teaching, which is simply the ability to explain God's truth well. Working, bringing energy to a project. Exhortation, which is motivating people or encouraging people. Giving, which is more than just actually giving something, but being able to give usually quite sacrificially with great joy. The gift of mercy or compassion. The gift of intercession or prayer. There's a gift of wisdom, which is knowledge rightly applied to situations. Have you ever talked with someone where you're like, how did they know what to do and I couldn't figure it out? Yeah, so someone has a gift of wisdom. There's words of wisdom, which is just giving insightful and practical knowledge. In other words, those two probably go together, is that you actually have wisdom that's unusual, and then you have the ability to communicate it well. Uh, there's words of knowledge, giving insight to doctrine or spiritual truth that's hard for other people to see or grasp. There's a gift of faith, which is unwavering commitment and trust that God works beyond human capabilities. And typically people who have the gift of faith are good at encouraging others to trust in God in the face of apparently insurmountable odds. There's the gift of healing, that's miraculous intervention for sickness. 
There's miracles in general, which is simply supernatural acts. There's a gift of being able to discern spirits or having insight into the spirit of a situation. There's a gift of tongues, which is a human or heavenly language. There's the interpretation of tongues, translating said languages. Uh, the Bible talks about apostles, the gifts of an apostle. And, and I think in one sense, that's unique to the founding of the church. But if we talk today about the apostolic gift, we're typically talking about what I understand is church planting. There's a gift of leadership, church planters, church sustainers. There's pastors, shepherds who guide and lead. There's evangelists or missionaries who are specially gifted in boldness in sharing the gospel. There's the gift of helps, which is simply serving the poor and the downtrodden. It's administration, the ability to give oversight and to organize. There's a gift of celibacy, which is refraining from sex. Perhaps you could also describe this as the gift of singleness. Uh, there's the gift of marriage, that is the ability to commit to a covenant and do it with integrity. The gift of hospitality, that's simply openness, friendliness. The gifts of craftsmanship, it's working with your hands, it's building and constructing things. The arts, it's music, it's writing, it's painting, it's singing. It's the gift of voluntary poverty, that is being able to forego wealth without envy, jealousy, or judgment of others. There's the gift of a business sense, like you have figured out how to get your return on an investment. It's the gift of courage, as seen in Gideon in Judges 6, a gift of strength or athleticism, as seen in Samson in Judges 13. There's architectural engineering. It's First Chronicles 28. Now, like many lists in the Bible, I think this is probably given to us just an example after an example. I'm not sure that's meant to be exhaustive, honestly, because uh, I actually suspect we can all think of some other things. Do any of you work with elementary age kids? Listen, you're gifted. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, you're gifted. And I talk with other people who work with elementary age students. And they're like, you work with high schoolers? Yeah, because it's easier. They're like, oh, no, that's a, right. Okay, so there's, there's gifts. Um, if you're a counselor, that's a gift. I mean, if you're really able to listen and to help people find healing, and yeah, that's a gift. Uh, if you can raise a large family and keep your sanity, that's a gift. If you can keep cheering for the lions, that's, that's, that shouldn't be on this list. Um, <laughs> I knew there would be an Ohio State comment. Uh, if you can make a house feel like a home, I think that's probably a gift. If you're able to actually see people who are in the margins in a given room, it could be in this church, it could be at work, it could be somewhere, you see people in the margins and you can identify it and you can draw them in, I think that's probably a gift. Uh, knowing how to diffuse tense situations. In other words, I think what the Holy Spirit does, it, when I look at the record of Scripture and how the Holy Spirit is constantly working in all our lives, I think what the Holy Spirit does is look at our situation and look at our gifts and go, okay, I'm going to empower you. I'm going to help you to move into this situation with the gifts that I have already given you. And so at Scripture, we get this list of all these things. 
If you felt like you didn't identify yourself on that list, don't despair. I think really what Scripture is just telling us over and over is that God has given you something that God will enable you to use. So I think the Holy Spirit takes virtually everything about life and gives gifts of extraordinary ability so that we can move into situations and make something about this world an outpost of the kingdom of God. And then Paul says to Timothy, fan these into flame. And so this is what we're going to talk about the rest of the morning is how we do this. Because that's kind of a vague term. You just have this, what does it mean to fan a gift of the Holy Spirit into flame? I'm going to give you four things that I think are part of this. The first is simply to identify them. Now, in your notes, I don't have them up here on the screen. Uh, I give you three websites where you can go to and you can do kind of this test. I did all three of them this week just to kind of see what showed up and to see if there was some consistency. Like, are some of them, do I feel like right on? And another one's like, yikes. Did I, did you even fill this out? Uh, and I found these three were relatively consistent in what they were saying. So there's more. If you just Google spiritual gifts test, they're everywhere. And so these, these are just three that I took and thought they were decent. They will not be exhaustive, by the way. They're not as long as the list I just gave you. And part of the reason is to take a quiz for that would take you the entire week. So it's typically going to go with maybe 10 different things. It's going to try to identify for you your, your spiritual gift. And this is basically the way it works. It simply asks you over and over, I'm, I'm going to summarize, what breaks your heart or what brings you to life? Um, another way to say it might be, what, what just, uh, if you have to do this thing over and over, this is not going to go well. Or if you have to do this thing over and over, it'll probably go pretty well. I'm struggling with different ways to say it, but it's helping you identify kind of these are the areas where you flourish or these are the areas where you kind of slowly die. And when you look at it, the point isn't for you to look at your areas of weakness and go, well, I've got work to do. I mean, you might, but the point is to look at it and go, oh, these are the places in life where I really come to life. When I was growing up in the church, I often heard a message I think was unintentional, um, but it, it kind of left a, a vague sense of dread about following God where he would lead me. And the message was something like this. Don't ever say you won't do X for God because God will call you to that. Have you ever heard that message? Okay, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I have no desire to do administration for God. And I am quite certain <laughs> the rest of you, if you know me at all, you share that desire that I do not try to do that more than I have to. So does that mean God's going to call me into some massive administrative endeavor? Like, because I said, this is a bad idea, God. And God said, well, I'm going to make you do it anyway. I think what actually happens is that God looks at me and he goes, okay, Anthony, what are you good at? And God goes, yikes, not administration. So God's going to call someone else who's good at that. And then God's going to look at me and go, okay, Anthony, who are you? What, what is your purpose? What are you good at? What brings you to, to life? What's the intersection here of your skills and your desires and your opportunities? I'll put you there. 
And I'll put someone else over there. And so I, so what we're going to talk more about next week, by the way, because, because I'm not saying God doesn't call us out of our comfort zone. I'll quote Delenn. I'm not saying God doesn't call us out of our comfort zone. I, I actually think he does that all the time in different ways. What I'm saying is that God knows who you are. And if you have a really deep desire to change the world in a particular way, or you have a particular set of skills like Liam Neeson, and there's just things that when you're there, you come to life and you flourish and the people around you flourish, I'm going to say odds are really good. God is looking for you to flourish in the place God has placed you to flourish. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so don't misunderstand. It's not like we don't work on our weaknesses. And it's not like we're never called into challenging situations. But if you're going to fan into flames the ember, it's going to be your ember. Right? And I, it's different for everybody. Because the Holy Spirit gives gifts as he wills. God gives skills and he, God gives things to you. I can look at my wife and go, man, she's got some skill sets and some, some things I really wish I had. Okay, so do I try to fan into flame? Do I try to take Sheila's ember and place it in myself and then fan that into flame? Or do I, I look over and I go, oh, I'll help you fan that into flame. I've got a different one that needs to come to life in me. Does, does that make sense? Okay. So identify them. The second thing, then, is build them. And I think this has, just has to do with studying and learning, maybe even observing others. When you see someone else who is a lot like you and you go, okay, what are they doing? What does it look like for them to, to really fan that ember into flame in their life? And so I think once we identify that thing, then we start to ask the question, all right, how do I turn this smoldering gift into a fire? How does it light up the world and, and bring warmth to those around me? And I know that that's vague language, but I, I don't have the time to enter into each one of your lives and ask what that looks like. But let's just use a, one. We'll do one. Let's say generosity is your gift. Okay, so what are you going to do? Well, you're gonna, you'll be generous already. We know that. Okay, um, you, you probably want to study how do I do generosity with wisdom? Because I want to steward the things I'm being generous, whether money, time, things, space in your home, you name it. All right, I need to, I need to study that. Um, I want to observe how other generous people live their lives in such a way that they're, uh, they're in the world on behalf of God with their generosity, but they're not being stupid or foolish. They're doing this with wisdom, right? So I think that's the fanning into flame. Part of it is we just do it, but then we also... We study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that don't need to be ashamed. Uh, use them as my third point, and I kind of already said that, like just do stuff. And so this is where I would say, where do your desires, your skills, and your opportunities intersect? And desires, once again, the way I think of it is, what breaks your heart? Like, I see this in the world, and it is not okay. All right, that's probably a clue that God has placed something in your heart to move you in that direction. Or there's something and you go, man, when I do this, I come to life. Um, the, the classic is the Chariots of Fire movie where Eric Little says, God made me to run. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Okay, God made you too. 
And when you do that, you feel his pleasure. That would be another hint. So that's what I mean when I say desires. And then skills. What, what can I bring to this? I don't need to use somebody else's skills. What do I bring to this? And then finally, what are the opportunities in my life? Um, I might be limited by certain responsibilities or things I need to do. I'm going to have freedom to do other things. So desires, skills, and opportunities. And then finally, it's to the glory of God. How does this build the church? Or how does this make God's name great in the community? Because I think both those things can happen in anything we went through on this list. Um, you, you can make God's name great with anything that you do. And how is that? It's simply by being an ambassador for Christ in anything that you do. You can always do that. It doesn't matter where you are. You can be an ambassador for Christ. Right? So we always do these things to the glory of God as we are trying to discern what it looks like to flourish as the person God has made us and to have an impact for the kingdom on the world. I lost my train of thought. That was a good start to that sentence. Um, I'll let you finish it in your head. All right, so here's the image that I have. And maybe this is because yesterday I was doing something in my shed, making concrete forms. And my shed is dark and gloomy and full of chickens half the time. And all I have is this little light, and it was raining, and it was damp, and it was just like, ugh. And I was thinking about that, like, how cool would it be if someone brings in, so this is kind of a weird, like a glowing ember. I guess they're going to need tongs. But they, it's damp, it's cold, it's dark, and someone brings in this, this ember that they have. We've built a fire inside or something. I don't know. There's an ember there. Uh, okay, at this point, it's just an ember, which is kind of nice. You know what I really want? I want a roaring fire. Because it's gloomy, and it's dark, and it's kind of damp, and my concrete needs to dry. So I want a fire. Okay, how do we do that? You fan it into flame. You, you, you take care of it. You feed it. I'm not going to drip water on it. I'm going to, this is the image. And the image is more than uh, just the point of fanning the ember isn't just to make a flame. It's because what a flame does is it lights up a dark world. And it brings warmth into a cold world. So it's not even just about us. It's about God giving us this thing that we can nurture. And, and so my question is, what are we doing with the embers that God has given us? Uh, I want to talk next week. I'm, I'm excited about next week. I wish I'd had time to get to it this week, but I just don't. Uh, I want to talk more about what it looks like to steward that thing that God has given us. Um, and I, I feel like I can come at it from a perspective from one who has often failed, <laughs> and, but one who has at times also seen success. I suspect that's probably true in your lives as well. So next week, we're going to talk about power and love and a sound mind and why those things are important, all three of those things, crucial for us as we are bringing this thing to life. Um, that we recognize the resurrection of power of Christ has to be in place, the love of God in our hearts, and the ability to show discernment as we minister to the world. Lord, uh, I am grateful today specifically that you are a gift-giving God and that you give good gifts to your children. And I'm thankful that none of us have been overlooked 
but that your spirit places within us the gifts that you want us to have for our good, for the world's good, and for your glory. Uh, that's, that's an exciting thing, Lord. You have given each of us a gift for us. Lord, I pray. Um, Maybe we're in a place where we already know what that is and we're already fanning it into flame. Maybe we're in a place where we know what it is, but we're not sure how to bring it to life. Maybe we're in a place where we just think, I have no idea what that is. I don't know what to do on God's behalf because I don't think I have anything to bring. Lord, I, I pray, number one, for clarity, that we are all able to see the gift that you have given us, the ember that you have placed within us through your Holy Spirit. I pray that you give us the ability to understand how to fan it into flame. And then, Lord, I pray that as this grows within us, it brings the light and warmth of your truth, your salvation, and your goodness to the world. May we do all of this for your glory. We pray this in your name. Amen. This has been a presentation of the Church of the Living God. For more information, please visit us at clgonline.org.